Section 15 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Safaganem, Berlin, Germany. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 10, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. 1. The Origin of the Nights a the birthplace here occur the questions where and when was written and to whom do we owe a prose poem which like the dramatic epos of herodotus has no equal i proceed to lay before the reader a procès verbal of the sundry pleadings already in court as concisely as is compatible with intelligibility furnishing him with references to original authorities and warning him that a fully detailed account would fill a volume even my own reasons for decidedly taking one side and rejecting the other must be stated briefly and before entering upon the subject i would distribute the prose matter of our recoil of folklore under three heads one the apologue or beast fable proper a theme which may be of any age as it is found in the hieroglyphics and in the cuneiforms two the fairy tale as for brevity we may term the stories based upon supernatural agency this was a favorite with olden persia and muhammad most austere and puritanical of the prophets strongly objected to it because preferred by the more sensible of his converts to the dry legends of the talmud and the quran quite as fabulous without the halo and glamour of fancy three the histories and historical anecdotes analects and acroamata in which the names when not used achronistically by the editor or copier give unerring data for the earliest data quo and which by the mode of treatment suggest the latest each of these constituents will require further notice when the subject matter of the book is discussed the metrical portion of the knights may also be divided into three categories viz one the oldest and classical poetry of the arabs example the various quotations from the suspended poems Two, the medieval beginning with the laureates of El Rashid's court, such as Al Asmai, Abu Noas, and ending with El Hariri, A.H. 446 to 516 equals 1030 to 1100. Three, the modern quotations and the pièce de circonstance by the editors or copyists of the compilation. Upon the metrical portion, also further notices must be offered at the end of this essay. In considering the uncle derivator of the knights, we must carefully separate subject matter from language matter. The neglect of such essential difference has caused the remark, it is not a little curious that the origin of a work which has been known to Europe and has been studied by many during nearly two centuries should still be so mysterious, and that students have failed in all attempts to detect the secret. Hence, also the chief authorities at once branched off into two directions. One held the work to be practically Persian, the other as persistently declared it to be purely Arab. Professor Galland, in his Epistle Dedicatory to the Marquise de O, daughter of his patron Monsieur de Goyerage, show his literary acumen and unfailing sagacity by deriving the knights from India via Persia and held that they had been reduced to their present shape by an auteur arab in canoe this reference to india also learnedly advocated by monsieur langlais was inevitable in those days it had not then been proved that india owed 
all her literature to far older civilizations, and even that her alphabet, the Nagari, erroneously called Devanagari, was derived through Phoenicia and Himyar land from ancient Egypt. So Europe was contented to compare the knights with the fables of Pilpay for upwards of a century. At last, the Pahlavi, or old Iranian origin of the work, was found an able and strenuous advocate in Baron von Hammer Pergstahl, who worthily continued what Galland had begun. Although a most inexact writer, he was extensively read in Oriental history and poetry. His contention was that the book is an Arabization of the Persian Hazar Afsana, or Thousand Tales, and he proved his point. Von Hammer began by summoning into court the Herodotus of the Arabs, Ali Abu al-Hassan, al-Masudi, who, in AH 333, equals 944, about one generation before the founding of Cairo, published at Bassara the first edition of his far-famed Maruj al-Dahab wa Madin al-Juwahar, Meads of Gold and Mines of Gems. The Styrian Orientalist quotes, with sundry misprints, an ampler version of a passage in chapter 68, which is abbreviated in the French translation of M.C. Barbier de Maynard. And indeed, many men well acquainted with their Arab histories opine that the stories above mentioned with other trifles were strung together by men who commended themselves to the kings by relating them, and who found favor with their contemporaries by committing them to memory and by reciting them. Of such fashion is the fashion of the books, which have come down to us, translated from the Persian, Farasia, the Indian, Hindia, and the Greco-Roman, Rumiya. We have noted the judgment which should be passed upon compositions of this nature, such as the book entitled Hazar Afsane, or The Thousand Tales, which word in Arabic signifies Khurafa, Fasiti. It is known to the public under the name of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Kitab al-Flayla wa this is an history of a king and his wazir, the minister's daughter, and a slave girl, Jariye, who are named Shirzad, lion-born, and Dinarzad, ducat-born. Such also is the tale of Farza, Ali Firza, and Simas, containing details concerning the kings and wazirs of Hind, the book of Sinibad, and others of a similar stamp. Von Hammer adds, quoting chapters 68 of al-Masudi, the al-Mansur, 2nd Abbasid, A.H., 136-158, to equals 754-775, to and grandfather of al-Rashid, caused many translations of Greek and Latin, Syriac and Persian, Pahlavi, works to be made into Arabic, specifying the Kalila wa Damna. The fables of Bidpai, Pilpay, the logic of Aristotle, the geography of Ptolemy, and the elements of Euclid. Hence, he concludes, L'original de mille et une nuit, selon toute vraisemblance, a été traduit au temps du calife Mansur, c'est-à-dire trente ans avant le règne du calife Haroun al-Rashid, qui, par la suite, devait lui-même jouer un si grand rôle dans ses histoires. Also, he notes that, about a century after al-Masudi had mentioned the Hazar Afsaneh, 
It was versified and probably remodeled by one Rasti, the Takhulus, or nom de plume of a bard at the court of Mahmud, the Ghaznavid Sultan, who, after a reign of 33 years, died A.D. 1030. Von Hammer, some 12 years afterwards, Jeune Assier Auguste, 1839, brought forward in his Notes sur l'origine parisienne de mille et une nuit a second and an even more important witness. This was the famous Kitab al-Fihrist, or index list of Arabic works, written in AH 387 equals 987, by Muhammad bin Ishaq al-Nadim, cup companion or equerry, popularly known as Abu Yaqub al-Wariq. The following is an extract, page 304, from the Eighth Discourse, which consists of three arts, funum. The first section, on the history of the confabulators nocturni, tellers of night tales, and the relators of fanciful adventures, together with the names of books treating upon such subjects. Muhammad ibn Ishaq Saith, the first who indicted themes of imagination and made books of them, consigning these works to the libraries, and who ordered some of them as though related by the tongues of brute beasts, were the Paleo-Persians and the kings of the first dynasty. The Ashkanian kings of the third dynasty appended others to them, and they were augmented and amplified in the days of the Sassanids, the fourth and last royal house. The Arabs also translated them into Arabic, and the locant and eloquent polished and embellished them and wrote others resembling them. The first work of such kind was entitled The Book of Hazar Afsan, signifying Elf Khurafa, the argument whereof was as follows. A king of their kings was wont, when he wedded a woman and had lain one night with her, to slay her on the next morning. Presently he esposed a damsel of the daughters of the kings, Shahrazad, height one endowed with intellect and erudition, and whenas she lay with him, she fell to telling him tales of fancy. Moreover, she used to connect the story at the end of the night with that which might induce the king to preserve her alive, and to ask her of its ending on the next night until a thousand nights had passed over her. Meanwhile, he cohabitated with her till she blessed by boon of child of him, when she acquainted him with the device she had wrought upon him, wherefore he admired her intelligence, and inclined to her, and preserved her life. That king had also a Karamana, nurse and duena, not Antrimatus, Hait Dinarzad, who aided the wife in his artifice. It is also said that this book was composed for or by Humai, daughter of Bahman, and in it were included other matters. Muhammad bin Ishaq adds, And the truth is, inshallah, the first who solaced himself with hearing night tales was Al-Iskander, he of Macedon, and he had a number of men who used to relate to him imagery, stories, and provoke him to laughter. He, however, designed not therein merely to please himself, but that he might thereby become the more cautious and alert. After him and the kings, in like fashion, made use of the book entitled Hazar Afsan, it containeth a thousand nights, but less than two hundred night stories. 
for a single history often occupied several nights. I have seen it complete sundry times, and it is, in truth, a corrupted book of cold tales. A writer in the Athenaeum, objecting to Lane's modern date for the nights, adduces evidence to prove the greater antiquity of the work. Abu al-Hassan ibn Said bin Musa al-Ghannati of Granada, born in AH 615 equals 1218, and died in Tunis, AH 685 equals 1286, left his native city and arrived at Cairo in AH 639 equals 1241. This Spanish poet and historian wrote al-Muhalla bi al-Ashar, the adorned with verses, a topography of Egypt and Africa, which is apparently now lost. In this, he quotes from al Qurtubi, the Cordovan, and he in turn is quoted by the Arab historian of Spain, Abu al-Abbas Ahmad bin Muhammad al-Makari, in the Wind Wafts of Perfume from the Branches of Andalusia the Blooming, A.D. 1628 to 29. Mr. Payne, 10. 301, thus translates from Dr. Dozi's published text. Ibn Sayyid, may God have mercy upon him, sets forth in his book, Al-Muhula bis Shahar, quoting from Al-Qurtubi the story of the building of the Hudej in the Garden of Cairo, the which was the magnificent pleasuances of the Fatimite Khalifs, the rare of ordinance and surpassing, to wit, that the Khalif al-Amir be akam ilah, let build it for the Bedouin woman, the love of whom had gotten the mastery of him in the neighborhood of the chosen garden, and used to resort often thereto, and was slain as he went thither, it ceased not to be a pleasuring place for the Khalifs after him. The folk abound in stories of the Bedouin girl and Ibn Maya, of the sons and her uncle, cousin? and what hangs thereby of the mention of El-Amir, so that the tales told of them on this account became like unto the story of El-Batal, and the thousand nights in a night, and what resembleth them. The same passage from Ibn Said, corresponding in 3 MSS, occurs in the famous Khitat, attributed to El-Makrizi, died A.D. 1444 and was thus translated from a MS in the British Museum by Mr. John Payne, 9, 303. The Khalif al-Amir Acham illah set apart in the neighborhood of the Chosen Garden a place for his beloved, the Bedouin maid, Aliyah, which he named al-Hudij. Quoth Ibn Said in the book Al-Muhalla bil Ashhar in the history of El Gurtubi concerning the traditions of the folk story of the Bedouin maid and Ibn Menna, Maya, of the sons of her uncle, and what hangs thereby of the mention of the Khalif El Amir be Acham Illah, so that their traditions or tales upon the garden became like unto El Batal and the thousand nights and what resembleth them. This evidently means either that the knights existed in the days of El-Amir, 12th century, or that the author compared them with a work popular in his own age. Mr. Payne attaches much importance to the discrepancy of titles, which appears to me a minor detail. 
the change of names is easily explained. Amongst the Arabs, as amongst the wild Irish, there is divinity, the proverb says luck, in odd numbers, and consequently the others are inauspicious. Hence, as Sir William Owsley says, Travels 2.21, the number 1001 is a favorite in the East. Olivier, Voyage 6, 385, Paris, 1807, and quotes the cistern of the thousand and one columns at Constantinople. Kempfer, Ammon Exot, page 38, notes of the Tekias, or Dervishes, convents, and the Mazars, or Santons, tombs near Konia, Iconium. Multa sagus sepulcralium, que virorum ex omni evo doctissimorum exuvias condunt, mille e unum recensat octur libri qui inscrebetur hasair viec mesar, hasar viec mesar. That is to say, mille e unum mausolea. A book, the Hazar o Yakruz, equals 1001 days, was composed in the mid-17th century by the famous Dervish Mukhlis, chief Sufi of Isfahan. It was translated into French by Petis de la Croix, with a preface by Cazotte, and was Englished by Ambrose Phillips. Lastly, in India and throughout Asia, where Indian influence extends, the number of ciphers not followed by a significant number is indefinite. For instance, to determine hundreds, the Hindus affix the required figure to the end, and for 100, write 101. For 1,000, 1,001. But the grand fact of the Hazar Asfane is its being the archetype of the knights unquestionably proving that the Arab work borrows from the Persian bodily its cadre or framework, the principal characteristic. Its exordium and its denouement, whilst the two heroines still bear the old Persic names. Baron Sylvester de Sassy, Clarum et Venerable Nomen, is the chief authority for the Arab provenance of the knights, apparently founding his observations upon Galland. He is of the opinion that the work, as now known, was originally composed in Syria and written in the vulgar dialect, that it was never completed by the author, whether he was prevented by death or by other cause, and that imitators endeavored to finish the work by inserting romances which were already known but which formed no part of the original recoil, such as The Travels of Sinbad, The Seaman, The Book of Seven Wazirs, and others. He accepts the Persian scheme and cadre of the work, but no more. He contends that no considerable body of pre-Muhammadin or non-Arabic fiction appears in the actual texts, and that all the tales, even those dealing with events localized in Persia, India, China, and other infidel lands, and dated them from anti-Islamite ages, mostly with the naivest anachronism, confine themselves to depicting the people, manners, and customs of Baghdad and Mosul, Damascus and Cairo, during the Abbasid epoch. And he makes a point of the whole being impregnated with the strongest and most zealous spirit of Mohammedanism. He points out that the language is the popular 
or vulgar dialect, differing widely from the classical and literary, that it contains many words in common modern use, and that generally it suggests the decadence of Arabian literature. Of one tale, he remarks, the history of the loves of Kamaral Zaman and Budur, princess of China, is no more Indian or Persian than the others. The prince's father has Muslims for subjects, his mother is named Fatima, and when imprisoned, he solaces himself with reading the Quran. The Jenni, who interpose in these adventures, are, again, those who had dealings with Solomon. In fine, all that we here find of the city of the Magians, as well as of the fire worshippers, suffices to show that one would not expect to discover in it anything save the production of a Muslim writer. All this, with due deference to so high an authority, is very superficial. Granted, which nobody denies, that the archetypal Hazar Esfane was translated from Persic into Arabic nearly a thousand years ago. It had ample time and verge enough to assume another and a foreign dress, the corpus, however, remaining untouched. Under the hands of a host of editors, scribes, and copyists, who have no scruples anent changing words, names, and dates, abridging descriptions, and attaching their own decorations, the florid and rhetorical Persians would readily be converted into the straightforward business-like matter-of-fact Arabic. And what easier than to Islamize the old Zoroasterism to transform Ahriman into Iblis, the Shaitan, Jan bin Jan into Father Adam, and Divs and Paris of Kayumars and the olden Gubre kings into the Jins and Jinniyas of Suleiman. Volumes are spoken by the fact that the Arab adapter did not venture to change the Persic names of the two heroines and of the royal brothers or to transfer the mise-en-scene anywhither from Khorzan or outer Persia. Where the story has not been too much worked by the literato's pen, for instance, the Ten Wazirs in the Brezel edition 6, 191 to 343, which is the Gebra Bakhtiar the names and incidents are old Iranian, and with few exceptions, distinctly Persian. And at times we can detect the process of transition. For example, when Mazin of Khorazan and the Wortley Montagu MS becomes the Hassan of Basora of the Turner Makan MS, Mac edition. Evidently, the learned baron had not studied such works of the Tota Kahani, or Parrot Chat, which notably translated by Nakshabi from the Sanskrit Sukha Saptati, has now become as orthodoxically Muslim as the Knights. The old Hindu Raja becomes Ahmad Sultan of Balkh. The prince of Maimun and his wife Khajista Another instance of such radical change is the later Syriac version of Khalila Wadimna, old Pilpay, converted to Christianity. We find precisely the same process in European folklore. For instance, the Gesta Romanorum, in which, after 500 years, the life, manners, and customs of the Romans lapse into the knightly and chivalrous, the Christian and ecclesiastical developments of medieval Europe. 
Here, therefore, I hold that the Austrian Arabist has proved his point whilst the Frenchman has failed. Mr. Lane, during his three years as labor of translation, first accepted von Hammer's view and then came around to that of de Sassi, differing, however, in minor details, especially in the native country of the Knights. Syria had been chosen because then the most familiar to Europeans. The wife of Bath had made three pilgrimages to Jerusalem, but few cared to visit the barbarous and dangerous Nile Valley. Mr. Lane, however, was an enthusiast for Egypt, or rather for Cairo, the only part of it he knew. And when he pronounces the Knights to be of purely Arab, that is, of Nilotic origin, his opinion is entitled to no more deference than his deriving the sub-African and Negroid fella from Arabia, the land per excellentium of pure and noble blood. Other authors have wandered still further afield, some finding Mosul idioms in the Rakoi, proposed middle gates for its birthplace, and Mr. W.G.P. Palgrave boldly says, The origin of this entertaining work appears to have been composed in Baghdad about the 11th century. Another, less popular but very spirited version is probably of Tunisian authorship, and somewhat later. End of section 15. Recording by Safaganem, Berlin, Germany.